Hello, and welcome back to Ring My Bell, what I hope is still the only podcast about the <laughs> topics of Taco Bell and masturbation. I'm your host, Ben. My guest today is Lindsay Nelson. Welcome. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. And I do think uh, nobody can find a niche podcast like you, Ben. <laughs> this is really a special talent of yours. <laughs> it's true. Um, I was saying just uh, last uh, last episode, it might have been after we recorded, so it might not be in there, but I was saying that my, my normal day-to-day podcast is just we watch the TV show community, we talk about it, it's the same thing as every other podcast that's out there. And then all my side projects are weird <laughs> shit like watching The Wizard of Oz 10 times with different albums. And now this. I know. mean, any album has been my favorite of your super specific <laughs> podcasts. I, but this might have been even more specific than that. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it's it's hyper specific on exactly two topics. So... <laughs> You well, know, you're going to have an it. exhaustive knowledge of the Taco Bell menu by the time that you're done. I I think so. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've I've already got an ex- an extensive knowledge about the Wizard of Oz now. So mm-hmm. you know, let's just let's just add Taco Bell to that. So I've been asking my guests so far of the two topics at hand. Would you prefer to talk about Taco Bell first or masturbation first? Hmm. Interesting. Hadn't thought about that. I, I think you're the first person to pause and actually <laughs> think about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that uh, like ending on the Taco Bell conversation seems less climatic than ending on the masturbation conversation. But I'm assuming okay. that's the way most people have gone with it. Yes, that is yeah. so far um, both previous guests have started out with Taco Bell. (laughs) So part of me wants to be, you know, just buck the pattern that's forming. So let's reverse that then. That's been the common way. Let's get into the masturbation discussion then. So my question to you then would be, um, you know, when it when it comes time to masturbate, what's your what's your sort of uh, routine? So for the most part, um, like a Hitachi magic wand is sort of my go-to, especially when I just kind of like, I live in a house with three other people, (laughs) so (laughs) Uh I don't have like a lot of time or privacy or space to like always, every time I'm going to masturbate, like really get into it, like make a whole production of it. So when you want it to be just kind of like fun and quick and easy, a Hitachi magic wand is like the best. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I have no experience, uh, with that, but I've, it's a, it's a device with enough name recognition that, (laughs) you know, you, you said that I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. That, that makes sense. I mean, it's considered like the Cadillac of vibrators for a reason. It's got some horsepower. So, which is one of the really nice things, like I said, especially if like you, you're kind of just in the mood to, to have a quick one, you know, because, uh, it's powerful enough vibrations that like through clothes or pajamas can still totally be enough to get you off. 
um, especially on like the higher setting. But um, but yeah, so that is and also like it is I don't know if you've ever seen one, but it's it was originally marketed as a shoulder massager, <laughs> okay. not a vibrator. So uh, there's been lots of, you know, people talk about what what whether that was always just like a air quotes shoulder massager or whether it was ever actually meant to be a shoulder massager, but it's like a, a, a hard plastic sort of handle piece. And then a, on like a jointed spring, like a, a softer plastic material, um, like ball that, um, okay. it's more of a yeah, cylinder now- maybe than a ball, but like, <laughs> yeah, now that you're describing it, I can, I can, picture the exact device um in my mind like i i didn't remember by name alone but yeah that description like oh yeah no i've totally seen those yeah so it's it's very like nice high power does whatever it like i said especially on the high setting like even through clothes is totally like a nice deep kind of vibration but you can also put like a bunch of uh attachments on top of it you know if you want like more sensation or more extended you can put like penetrative things on it you can also put like textured things on it so it's a very multi-purpose like sex toy i have more than that but i almost always like it's very rare i pull anything else out i think that makes a lot of sense in you know i mean first of all if you like it you know of course go with what you like but Mm -hmm. i think it also makes sense like you were talking about where you know if you are sharing a house with three people like it can be kind of difficult to you know actually find that sort of time and you know it's if if you're not needing some sort of special occasion and you just need to get off now before someone's knocking on your door about you know rent this month or whatever (laughs) it's been a while since i've had whatever yeah right it's been a while (laughs) since i've had roommates that i was not um, in a romantic and sexual relationship with. So, mm-hmm. but I do always remember, <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to find those, uh, those couple of minutes, um, where someone wasn't going to be bothering you. So, yep. Yeah. So on the, on the rare occasion that I'm alone in the house, I might do like a more whole, you know, elaborate bubble bath, really getting in the mood, you know, kind of situation, but yeah, for, for like daily use, a Hitachi Magic Wand is your best friend. Yeah, so the, the thing about me is that um, years and years and years ago, I'd, I'd been single for a, a very long time. And so I decided I was actually going to try a flashlight. Mm. And the thing about that like, I think it's fine and whatever, but it makes me mad at the promotional uh, materials about it. Oh, because yeah. if you look at the website, it's like, it's so discreet. And, you know, it's it's meant to look like a just really big flashlight. And I'm like, you know, I, I got it. And, uh, you know, you've got to, it's this whole process where you've got to like soak part of it in warm water and you've got to... Uh, you know, I mean, you got to clean it off in the sink after like right away afterwards. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. thank God I live alone. I could never, ever in a million years use this if I had a roommate. (laughs) Not in a million years. It would not be discreet in a a roommate situation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, you're walking to the bathroom with an oversized plastic flashlight. Your roommate's not going to be like, 
Oh, must be uh, must be examining, you know, the the pipes underneath the the sink or, again or something. Like it's obvious it is not a real flashlight. Yeah. So, you know, I so it's never come up because again, I'm I was living by myself at the time. But literally any time I'd I'd pull that thing out, I would just be like impossible. This would be impossible if there was a, a single other person uh, in the apartment. I mean, my girlfriend even knows that I have it and I just don't use it because I'm like, this is awkward. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I really, even though I haven't had roommates in a very long time, I, I definitely feel that sort of, you know, trying to, the, the difference between just the like, got to do this now versus, you know, taking the time, something nice. And uh, so, yeah, that, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I also just have uh, like a fondness for it, um, probably because, you know, like I I had trouble for a while. So there was uh, weirdness with my hormones. So I didn't actually have an orgasm for the first time until I was 27. Okay. Um, and it was a Hitachi magic wand that like finally helped me get all the way there. That and the fact that some corrective measures had been taken with my hormones. So I think that makes even more sense then, because like. You know, I guess you you always remember your first. Yeah. <laughs> also, for anybody else out there who's having trouble, like any other women who are pre-orgasmic, which could be a thing, like women tend to hit, you know, sexual peak later on in life and can have trouble with because it's just not discussed enough. It is for more than me has been the first thing like that I've known several other people to like successfully get them off. So because it okay. just has such like a deep vibration that it can really get to some of the like clitoral wing tissue and stuff um, that can be hard to stimulate otherwise, especially if you're not like super experienced. So it's, it's great for that too. Plus, you know, you always remember your first. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just wondering if I can get Hitachi to sponsor this podcast because <laughs> I think that was a very glowing review. Um, yeah. I mean, it almost, they should be paying me for that. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I've burned my bridges with the Fleshlight Company, but, you yeah. know, Hitachi, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> sponsor let's, let's talk some, let's talk some sponsorships. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if Taco Bell's going to do it. Uh, so, so somebody I mean, has I, to. I tweeted at them and I offered to let them either guest on this podcast. I don't know what a brand guesting on a podcast looks like would be like i feel yeah. like taco bell would figure that out <laughs> i don't really know what that looks like but i was also like hey feel free to sponsor me if you want because i'm gonna be talking about taco bell a lot they <laughs> promptly ignored that tweet and mm -hmm. uh they were probably right to do so if i'm gonna be <laughs> honest yeah, I mean, it can see from a from a marketing perspective how it might want to, you know, apply some caution. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, when when you've got to advertise, I mean, so it's kind of a it's kind of a stoner food, right? But like you still got to you still got to be pretty family friendly even when you're inventing all the stoner foods. So mm -hmm. You know, I get it. I, I understand why they wouldn't want to sponsor me. But at the same time, I, I think it's the perfect sponsorship opportunity. So, yeah. I mean, I've not checked, but how many podcasts are there that are like at least half dedicated to Taco Bell's, you know, 
uh, <laughs> items. I don't know. I, I've not run across any other ones. But they do, I think, have a little bit more of a, you know, wholesome, even if it's like a radical skateboarding, um, you know, <laughs> image. Right. It's a little bit more family friendly than like Jack in the Box that is fully leaned into come and eat us when you're high. <laughs> Like yeah. we have all the variety of foods your your stone brain could possibly crave. <laughs> you can get it here at any time. So did you have any other thoughts, questions, um, anything else before we switch topics that you wanted to um, either say or ask me or anything like that? I don't know. It's what, it, do you have like, you know, areas of the t- topic of masturbation that you usually cover? Like any. <laughs> Sort of, because we just started with like the, you know, go to routine question. And that's pretty much all of the. It's true. So um, generally, I've just been kind of asking that it tends to get uh, it it can open up some other some weird doors occasionally. (laughs) Honestly, so here's here's my thing where I'm, I'm like this. It's a I mean, I started a podcast about it. I'm really. I'm always really curious about like the everyone's sort of masturbation rituals, right? Because it's a thing we don't talk about mm-hmm. uh, unless you happen to start a podcast about it. Right. Um, <laughs> Culturally, not a normal topic of conversation. Right. And I'm, I can understand why it's not. So, but at the same time, I'm always kind of like, you know, it's uh, not everyone does it the same way I do. Right. So, mm-hmm. Um, but then th- I get those weird moments or start a podcast about it where people are actually like, yeah, let's talk about this. I'm like, oh, man, like now I don't really know what to ask, though. Um, <laughs> so um, along the I mean, along the same lines, the other thing that especially when it comes to women, because I feel like for guys, the answer to this question is pretty much always the same. It's like. I go look at porn or whatever for women. I'm also always really curious what sort of materials or not do you use? Like, uh, you Mm -hmm. know, pornography, erotica, uh, fanfic. um, Yeah. Just imagination, you know. Yeah. um, I mean, uh, porn very occasionally, Uh, you know, so it's hard to find like, I am very into like story driven stuff and it's hard to find good (laughs) porn that is like story driven in like a believable way um, or even a not believable way, but just that actually (laughs) has that as a significant component. So sometimes I get into some like uh, so if it's going to be porn for me, it usually tends to be a bit more of the like BDSM kink sort of area because I just feel like that's like visually more interesting. Um, Okay. But normally I am definitely an erotica person and a fan fiction person for sure. <laughs> like good, well-written fan fiction, 100%. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting, though, about my taste, I'm a bi woman. So <laughs> I'm, you know, interested in basically everybody. <laughs> like there's no anybody who's categorically disqualified for me that I don't find attractive. Um, but I constantly go back to slash fiction, which is, uh, you know, gay male couple kind of thing, because it is the least 
if you find, especially in a genre that you really like, like a fandom that you really like, and it's characters who are, you know, like vampires or Marvel superheroes or whatever, it is the least applied gender roles of anything else I've ever read. Way more than any kind of heteronormative coupling um, erotica or fan fiction that I've ever read. And even more than Femslash, which is two women, still seems to have more weird gendered expectation than like male slash fic. So that is the stuff that I am most drawn to most of the time. Um, just because of the relationship dynamics, to me, are sexier. Okay. I was going to ask, it, you know, if you hadn't filled that in, because, like, you know, I, I know there's sort of the uh, stereotype of, like, men being really into lesbian porn, right? Mm-hmm. And a thing about lesbians being into gay porn. I, I wasn't aware of that one, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, that's a whole thing of lesbians watching um, gay male porn instead of. And a lot of that is because until very recently, there hasn't been a lot of good lesbian porn for women. Sure. Yeah, that absolutely. It is all, all designed from like a male perspective and for a male audience and is just like profoundly unattractive to women. <laughs> Like none of the things that are hot about uh, being with another woman are like in male fantasy lesbian porn. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a connoisseur of it or anything. Um, it's not one of my go-to categories, but you know, every now and then uh, I will watch some lesbian porn and every t like, honestly, I mean, part of the reason I don't, is because it's this weird sort of meta narrative where it's like, yeah, I'm super into women and women, you know, I find women so sexy anyways, uh, to turn her on, I'm going to suck on this dildo for a bit. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, uh, this is not for women. Clearly you have just demonstrated that. And it's this weird meta narrative of like, hey, like, this is for all the dudes watching. And it's, I mean, as a dude myself, like, it's not, I suppose, it's not, like, the worst thing, but it does sort of take me out of that element of, like, for me personally, I, I, don't, I don't really need it to be, like, story-driven or anything like that. I kind of just like that sort of, uh, you know, even when, even when it's obvious that it's, you know, manufactured, there are like, you know, studio lights in the background in frames or whatever. Right. But I like that sort of uh, narrative where it's just like, oh, yeah, no, this is ju just two people fucking right. Like, this is the kind of stuff that they do in their spare time. I don't want a lot of that production of just like, you know, and, and so I feel like with a lot of that lesbian porn, it's like that meta narrative is like, okay, well, yeah, I'm watching porn and like it just it might as well be like, hey, Ben, you're watching porn right now. How's <laughs> yeah. that feel? Nothing feels so, remotely like sparked from genuine desire or anything like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, because like so I think some of the best stuff I've I've watched is like, you know, just it, it looks like everyone is just really into it. Right. And that sort of idea that they would be doing this even if there wasn't cameras around, right? Mm -hmm. 
so going back to the the slash fic, like I said, it's it's sort of that stereotype about you know there's men really being into lesbian porn. As someone who does not read slash fic, um, I mean, admittedly, I've never tried it. Could be my thing. Who knows? But you know, I I know a lot of women who are really into it, and mm-hmm. again because we as a society don't even even when they're like oh yeah no i read some great slash fic the other day society is like just don't ask about that but i was always <laughs> kind of curious you know what what is it about you know about that that is a turn on for you know a, seemingly a, a lot of women yeah well there has been some pretty good studies that record that like on average of course like gender is a spectrum and everybody's brains and chemistry is different, but like just by a statistically significant margin, women are more turned on by like a narrative and men are more turned on by visual stimulation. Like, so like looking at a picture does more on average for a man than it does for a woman who hearing a story about sex or like even just the things around sex is more stimulating generally for a woman. So I think written like erotica uh, just works better for women most of the time. Not all, obviously. And like, I definitely know lots of people who mix, you know, different, you know, don't always go to the same kind of thing. But I also think it is the, um, certainly one of the things that's very powerful for me. So like I mentioned the the dynamics are the most attractive to me in slash fiction because it's the most of just like two individuals figuring out like their relationship to each other or like being dropped without any of the sort of patriarchal gender binary nonsense um sort of grafted over it and then the other thing is that it is all about an internal monologue so you are hearing in like good fan fiction the kind that really like works for me you are hearing you're in the characters heads while they're like experiencing all of this desire um and like kind of describing it for you. I mean, it's not because it's you're experiencing it as they're experiencing it in like the best fan fiction, but it's this whole narrative of sort of the like escalation or process of desire. It's usually, obviously it's like impressive, gorgeous people because you're talking about fictional characters (laughs) who are like driven beyond the bounds of their own restraint by their, attraction, desire, love for this other person. And you get like really descriptive, minute details of that. Um, And that has always been like the stuff that just, for me, gets me like the most turned on is like just a really good description of the way that like your whole body suddenly feels when somebody brushes the skin on your back with a bare hand or like, you know, just really little, like somebody tilting your chin up to the angle that you recognize that like they kiss you at because of your height disparity or something like really vivid descriptions of those kind of details of like the escalation of desire is what really does it about like fan fiction or erotica in general for me. But you find actually better of that in fan fiction than you do in like a lot of romance novels and stuff. Okay. Now, do you think, uh, because I mean, I'm, I'm, I've never really, uh, read fan fiction and also I've just never really read, you know, romance novels. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have much of a baseline for that. But do you think, 
that because I'm also curious, you know, as sort of an outsider, I've always been kind of like, you know, why are so many of my friends into fan fiction specifically? Like, why the fan fiction and not just, you know, a, a standard romance novel? Uh, I obviously can't speak for everybody, but for me, one of the things is um, that. Well, first of all, let me just say, not all fan fiction is inherently smutty. A lot of it is, and that some of the great stuff really is, but some of it is just stories in a universe. Like, it's not all even romantic, right. necessarily. Obviously, there is a large portion of it that is both, like, romantic and or sexual, um, which is what we're talking about specifically here, but it is not exclusively there's some very well-written stories that just don't have anything to do with that. But I think that part of it is, is that you have such a large investment in the characters that it shorthands everything that you would need to build up if you were starting from scratch in a romance novel. Like, unless it was okay. a series. Like, all of the dynamics between the people are there because you have a built-in understanding of the fandom, usually, if you're looking for fan fiction in it, you know? Like, if you've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer multiple times, you don't need to be explained the emotional dynamics of, like, Buffy and Spike having sex. Like, you know right. what that okay. is. And you probably are very invested in it. <laughs> and also, <laughs> a lot of fan fiction is couples that have never actually canonically gotten together, but that you ship really hard. So it okay. is like this buildup of <laughs> sexual tension from, like, watching the show and it never happening to you finally getting, like, what that could be like, you know. Okay. Yeah, th that makes a lot of sense. I kind of always assumed it was it was that. I mean, especially the uh like you called it the uh uh shorthand of um uh, emotional shorthand is I think what you called it. Uh mm -hmm. where you've you've got all of this history kind of built in. Um but it's it's nice to have that really explained to, you know, uh actually uh paint that picture because yeah, like yeah. I said I've just I've never uh, the only I think the only fan fiction I've ever read has been like that the really like obviously we are trolling fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I will admit straight up that like, you know, for for a lot of years, I thought all fan fiction was like that sort of bad, you know, really uh, over the top. Like I wrote this specifically to be bad and make fun of fan fiction. So for a lot of years, I people would be like, "Oh, I, you know, I just I love fan fiction. I read this one the other day; it's so great." And I'm like, "Why?" Yeah. Now there is some shockingly good stuff out there, like some really incredibly well written um, people who part of me wants to go like, "Stop writing this and go be a professional author." But at the same <laughs> time, like, do this too, you know, because it's great. Like, right. there's a, and I think part of the attraction of fan fiction as well, as well as the already, the emotional shorthand is a big part of it because like, that's part of the thing that's hard in a romance novel, um, or like an erotic book is that you have a short amount of time to get you to a place where you understand these characters and what's going on with them and what the tension is and what their emotional dynamic is. You just don't have the time to get really invested in it. Like you do with something like a TV show or whatever, but you can also find a couple that their dynamics are ones that do it for you, right? So, like, there's lots of people you will search the same pairing a lot if you find, like, a dynamic that works for you because a lot of them are based off of actual characters who have kind of an understandable dynamic. Sometimes people have a very different take on it. But usually, like, if you like, you know, like, Bucky and Captain America is a big one, right? 
Like they uh-huh. have. Yep. I've, I've got <laughs> enough friends who are into <laughs> that one that uh, I can think of. I think three other people off the top of my head who their ears just perked up right now and they don't even know why. So <laughs> because that pairing has all of this built in like longing and pining and thwarted expectations and also this really solid foundation of friendship. But then you've got all the tortured stuff of like Bucky being brainwashed and turned into a rush and then them having to fight. And so you have all that what's called hurt angst. There's okay. lots of tags for like what kind of fan fiction it's going to be. So hurt angst or hurt comfort is like a genre that's really popular where, you know, it's like somebody was brainwashed or we were in this fight and somebody got injured and now the other person has to comfort them or they have to like come. Somebody has to make peace with the fact that Bucky, when he was brainwashed, fought with Steve, who he would have given his life to protect in any other instance. Right. So there's couples that have built in dynamics that if that sort of relationship works for like if that's a thing that's like a fantasy of yours or like a a arousal trigger or anything like that you can search for those specific couples and you have a decent chance of finding something with the dynamics that you like so okay ones that are like really like fluffy and sweet you know or ones that are really like oh i hate you but i want to rip your clothes off like any of those dynamics whatever works (laughs) for you you can find a, a pairing that that is the general tone of like all of their stories Okay. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it is time to get into the other topic, which is, right. of course, Taco Bell. So <laughs> my usual question up to this point uh, has been, um, what is your usual Taco Bell order? However, when I was putting out a call for guests, uh, you, uh, I believe it was you, uh, mm-hmm. specifically asked, uh, what if I only like one thing? at Taco Bell. So I'm curious about, first of all, what is that (laughs) one thing that you like at Taco Bell? And I guess, how do you, how do you get to sort of a point where you're like, this thing is, uh, it's good and I will eat it. And I'm happy to, you know, get that from Taco Bell and everything else on the menu can fuck right off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's weird. I definitely, I get that. But so the one thing is crunchy fresco tacos. Okay. It's the only thing I like. Also, well, I suppose Taco Bell is notable for me in that it's one of three fast food restaurants that serve Pepsi instead of Coke. Oh, okay. Yep. So Taco Bell, Kentucky Fried Chicken and Dairy Queen are the only places that serve Pepsi instead of Coke. I am a a Pepsi (laughs) like disciple. (laughs) (laughs) I so I have chronic migraines. And a Pepsi and Excedrin work better than any of the like 13 different prescription medications (laughs) I've ever tried for it. Okay. Um, And now Coke works too because it's the mix of caffeine and sugar that like spikes your blood sugar and then the Excedrin kicks in. That's like helpful. Um, But I've always like my mom drunk Pepsi and I like Pepsi better. I'll drink Coke if they don't have it. But it's notable for me that it's one of the three places I can drive through and get a Pepsi if like... I feel a migraine coming on. Um, but the the crunchy fresco taco being the only thing I eat thing comes from. So <laughs> this is very hard to believe for anybody who's ever met me as an adult, because as an adult or even as a late teen, I am an incredibly um, adventurous, exploratory eater. <laughs> like, okay. I am a food professional. I'm a gelato chef. I'm known for my sort of unique and creative flavors. I also just love food as a part of like travel and culture and everything. Like it's a big part 
of going to a place to me is tasting like their food and their flavors and everything. So there's lots of things that I've eaten that people would never imagine, but I was incredibly <laughs> picky until I was 11. And actually I was going on an exchange trip to Austria when I was 11. And my mom was so worried I was going to starve to death that she put like 12 <laughs> jars of peanut butter in my suitcase. <laughs> Because she's like, I know she can find bread in Austria. So if I give her enough peanut butter, she won't die of starvation <laughs> over there. Um, it was actually that's that kind of amazing. It's amazing. It was so funny because I didn't know she did it. When I opened my bag <laughs> over there, and there was 12 jars of peanut butter. In it. Oh, my God. I love it. It was great. But it was actually that trip that first started opening me up about food because obviously I was in a different country that had mm -hmm. different food from what I was used to. But like even as a little kid, adventure had always been really important to me. And the first morning I woke up in my host family's house and my host mom was making like fresh crepes with this um, elderberry raspberry jam that was made with like elderberries out of their garden and the jam was still hot like she had just finished Damn. making it and okay. put it on the crepes now that's something that was close enough to pancakes like it, i probably would have eaten it anyways like even it, it at home like if i wasn't mm -hmm. on this but it just made me realize how much adventure i was cutting myself off from by being as picky about food as i was and like adventure had always been important to me all my favorite books and stuff as a kid were adventure stories and everything like that. So that trip is actually what like really made me make a conscious effort to try and open up about food. But okay. all of my fast food tastes come for some reason. They never updated when the rest of me did. Maybe fast <laughs> food isn't worth putting in the effort. Fast. All of my fast food tastes come from my pre that trip, uh, incredibly picky days where I literally only ate about nine things. Okay. Um, so I, I had the one thing at every restaurant that would be common to end up at that I would eat, that I was okay with eating. Now, at the time, actually, they didn't have the crunchy fresco tacos. I would just get the regular crunchy tacos and ask for no cheese because cheese was one of the things I was picky about as a kid. Sure. But then when they started doing the fresco tacos, which is like the cheese wasn't on them and it just had like some a little bit of like salsa pico de gallo -y stuff instead. I was like all in for that. So it is still and I've tried a couple other things on the Taco Bell menu since and none of them ever really like. Eh. But it's really the same <laughs> in any fast food. I have the one thing that I order because that's all still from my childhood picky days. So, OK, yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that because when I was a kid, when we'd go to Taco Bell, it was I mean, there was the two different things that I would eat. And the question came down to today. Do you want a soft taco? or a crunchy taco. And that was it. Those were the two things. And, you know, McDonald's was like a cheeseburger with basically like ketchup on it and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I can, and I, I think that's probably true for a lot of kids. Um, I've, I've known a lot of people who it's like, yeah, when, you know, when I was a kid, I just, I only had that small handful of, of foods. Um, and I, I started growing out of that, and my brother did not for a much longer time. But so, you know, I I can definitely relate to that. I mean, it's, it's interesting that your fast food interests did not also expand. But also, I feel like, I mean, you, you made the comment of, like, maybe fast, fast food is not putting in the effort. And I'm like, I feel like that's kind of the case, though. I mean... <laughs> 
I feel like um, specifically when it comes to McDonald's, like there is just something, even, even though now I'm a totally a Big Mac kind of guy, but like there's just something so nostalgic about it where like, I mean, I'm a vegetarian most of the time. But sometimes I'm like, man, I've just had such a shitty day. I'm going to go shove a Big Mac in my mouth because that Mm -hmm. is this weird stress food that (laughs) just it's like a big hug. And I kind of hate the fact that it's like a big hug. Yep. I get you. Every once in a while, I just really want a filet of fish and chicken nuggets with sweet and sour sauce. (laughs) And I always don't feel good like 20 minutes afterwards. But sometimes when you're really stressed, it just sounds so good to your brain. So I get it. Yeah. Absolutely. Also, uh, we were definitely a Pepsi household growing up as well. I know so many people now who are like, oh, Pepsi is so bad. Like, you know. I order a Coke and they say, is Pepsi okay? And I'm like, fuck you or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, haha, Pepsi is so inferior secretly, though. Not so yeah. secretly now because it's on a podcast. Yeah. Secretly, <laughs> I, I really like Pepsi. It's a, little, it's a little too sweet for me nowadays because I've mm-hmm. lost a lot of my sweet tooth. Um, but yeah, growing up, I mean, it was it was all Pepsi all the time. So yeah, I can I can appreciate um, all of those things. Um, uh, I don't think that I've ever had the uh, the what was it the Fresco taco. Mm-hmm. It's just the regular crunchy taco, but instead of that little bit of cheese, shredded cheese on top, it's like a little bit of pico de gallo kind of stuff. Okay, um, I might have to give that a try. That sounds uh, actually pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't. I don't imagine you probably have a ton of other feelings on on Taco Bell specifically, uh, considering you kind of got that <laughs> that one go to. Yeah, I did occasionally get the when they still had the Cine twists. Those oh, were yeah. definitely a thing too. I guess so. It might be two items that I ate of the <laughs> Taco Bell menu. Okay. Like, they don't. Do they still have the Cine twists? I felt like they replaced them with like mini churros or something. Um, I don't know. Let's look that up here. Um, Cause the Cine twists were an incredibly satisfying texture. They like crunched perfectly. Um, so my search uh, shows that, uh, Taco Bell still has those $1 for a bag of them. And yeah, they look really good. I literally ate before, uh, recording this <laughs> podcast and I kind of want some of those right now anyways. Yeah, they're like really good junk food and that, yeah, they're just so satisfying to bite into, you know, because they're like mm-hmm. air puffed, like they're just, uh, they're, yeah, very satisfying crunch in those. And, you know, like a, a nice flavor, but not like a super strong flavor because it's just like a little right. bit of cinnamon sugar. So, yeah, honestly, I tend to forget about any of the sort of dessert sort of options. Um, because when I'm going to get fast food, I already kind of feel bad enough about the fact that I'm getting fast food. Right. Well, that's the um, thing. I haven't ordered a dessert at a fast food restaurant in a very long time. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Same. Cause I am already probably getting a soda, which is plenty of sugar at the time for me. Right. You know? Also as a totally random aside, uh, I find it, Interesting that uh, your best migraine cure involves Pepsi because, uh, and you know, Pepsi and the the uh, actual like, migraine you know, yeah. headache med. Yeah. 
So, uh, because, and this is a story I've told so many people this story because it's so weird. I cite it as the one night I have ever gotten a good night's sleep because I'm a chronic insomniac. Mm -hmm. And one night I I was like 18. It was right after I graduated from high school. Um, I just couldn't sleep. It was worse insomnia than usual. And so I'm like, all right, well, fuck it. I'm going to go get some, um, I'm going to go get some NyQuil because I just need something to get me through this night. So I, I go take a dose of NyQuil and of course NyQuil tastes awful. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what can I, what can I wash this out of my mouth with, with, and I open up the fridge and, uh, there's a, a whole bunch of cans of Coke. By this point we have switched to Coca-Cola as a household. I don't, don't remember why, but <laughs> I'm like, all right, sure. I'll just down an entire uh, can of Coca-Cola right after chugging this NyQuil. And then I went to bed and I woke up more refreshed than I have ever been in my entire <laughs> life and more refreshed than I have been up until this point. Is the, the one day I woke up and I literally jumped out of bed. I met a brand new day at seven <laughs> in the morning. It was glorious. And I don't know what it was about because I've since tried this again and it it has not worked. Hmm. It was just that one just created the perfect balance of depressant and stimulant. Right. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I was thinking of the whole time. You're like, yeah, it's, you know, weird, but I, I, for my migraines, I'm like, no, that's believe me, that is less weird than you think. Well, it sounds weird to people who don't have migraines. For people who have migraines, it is not. And then, like, if you check any boards or anything that are discussing migraine, uh, you know, cures or or symptom management or whatever. Every now, there's some debate between people about whether Pepsi or Coke works better. But like a caffeinated, sugary cola beverage of some sort paired with Excedrin migraine is like one of the most recommended talked about things on migraine headache boards. So like huh. it is it's just something about that combination really works and it doesn't usually make it go all the way away unless you're getting it at the very beginning. Then sometimes you can stop it, but it makes it like it pushes it back enough for you to function for a while in a way that almost nothing else ever has for me with right. migraines. So, yeah, I have had uh, precisely two actual real migraines in my entire life and both times uh, they were like three days apart, uh, which at the time was very concerning and I haven't had one oh, since, yeah. but yeah, well, um, that's good. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> but both times I'm just like, people just live with these things. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Because like a lot of people think it's just a really bad headache. Right. And I'm just like, like I was, uh, I mean, I got the whole optic, uh, optic migraine part of it. Like mm-hmm. I had to go hide in a, in a room and the was light and work. sound sensitivity. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. And mine was probably on the grand scheme of things, a pretty mild one. So yeah, I mean, migraines are intense. They definitely are. I, I'm in the level of chronic migraine sufferer that I get the Botox treatments for it. Um, which have been the most successful thing that I've ever tried, but you have to have a minimum of 15 headache days a month to like even qualify for that. Oh, Jesus. So yeah, they're genetic in my family. We, um, 70% of like my immediate family has migraines of some form. So we can all thank my grandfather for that. 
Um, all right. Well, is there anything else you want to add about uh, Taco Bell before we wrap up? I don't think so. Excellent. So thank you again very much for being on this very specific and hopefully very unique podcast. Um, <laughs> if people want to find out more about you and the podcasts that you do, where can they find those podcasts? My Twitter is Lindsay Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. And I post basically there anytime I'm on anything. My regular show is Historical Hotties. So you can look it up on any place you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to this, you can search for Historical Hotties and hear me and my sister debate the attractiveness of different historical figures. We do a different category every week and then we debate their mental attractiveness, physical attractiveness, social impact and je ne sais quoi. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I was uh, actually a guest on that uh, one yes, time. Yes, you're and on it was a lot of fun. Impressionist painters episode. It's a great mm-hmm. episode. And I you lost tried horribly. to get that, that creepy mustache past us, and we were not <laughs> having it. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm on Myth Takes, which is uh, an actual play podcast based off of the game system Monster of the Week, um, which everybody on the Scavengers Network, which is the network that Historical Hotties is on. Um, is a character in that. And then I am occasionally a guest host on Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, which is a Keanu Reeves uh, filmography podcast, but I'm only very occasionally on that. It's mostly my sister's show. (laughs) Just invited on every once in a while. So... Awesome. Yeah. So if if you liked Lindsay as a guest, uh, make sure to check those out. Historical Hotties is is specifically one I recommend uh, to anybody who is even remotely interested in history and ranking hotties. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. So thank you very much. I appreciate the recommendation. Yeah, anytime. Uh, And thanks again for coming on the show to talk about all manner of things. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. I still don't have a great sign off for this. So I'm going to workshop something here in real time masturbate it's healthy (laughs) oh i like that i was gonna say keep on masturbating but uh all studies show that it's very good for you physically it's true it is uh men who who mass who have orgasms uh frequently are less likely to develop prostate cancer so there you go um so if you want to find out more about this show you can find our twitter at ring my bell pod and you can go to ringmybell.sexandlasers.com to find out how you can contact me, how you can support the show, and until next time when I talk to yet another person about Taco Bell and masturbation, I've been your host, Ben. Masturbate. It's healthy.